Carol of Laughs describes my next guest, Kev Orkian, comedian, entrepreneur and owner of Jonglers, the best place to watch all the latest comedy. This week, the Comedy Club is back live across several venues in London. And the master of comedy himself, Kev, is flying on top form. Having acquired Jonglers just before the pandemic, he is raring to put the laugh back in everyone's belly and has developed a kids club as well as establishing a full lineup of comedians. Kev started out his theatrical life in musicals and as they say, like a good bottle of wine, he has matured over time. Let's find out more. Kev, welcome to Tea Time with me, Ali Monja. How are you doing? All right, my darling, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, it sounds like I'm a lot better than you are. From <laughs> you are, you are, yeah. and better looking as well. I haven't shaved today, so um, you're better looking as well. So you're lucky. Yeah, you you go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so ever the comedian, goodness. So I mean, you have been doing a lot of comedy for a long time, but I mean, your background actually is musicals as well, isn't it? Yeah, so um, I started um, in the West End. I kind of went up for a random audition. Um, I went to uh, me and my girl in London. Uh, at the time, Brian Conley was playing the lead uh, and I went to audition for it. Um, I had no agent. I just saw it randomly on the stage newspaper and I thought I'd go for that. Um, turned up, did a bit of singing, a uh, little bit of um, comedy. And then the choreographer said, can you tap dance? And of course, me being the cocky person I am, I said, yeah, of course I can. And she went, can you put the shoes on? I thought, oh, God. All right, okay. So I put the shoes on and I couldn't tap for love nor money. And she turned around and she said, you can't tap dance, can you? I said, well, I'm a quick learner. And she went, take the shoes off. So I took the shoes off. She went, I don't like people lying to me. And I went, sorry. And she said, we'll let you know. And, um, and I walked away. That was it. And that night I got a phone call from the director. Can you, see, can you come in tomorrow morning? I said, yeah. Went in the following morning. And after a brief conversation, he gave me the lead for, for four months. Oh, fantastic. That's that's brilliant. So that really sort of set you on your, yeah. your way to, to do musicals. So what, what did you love most about that? Do you know what? Musicals for me are such a beautiful genre of uh, entertainment because you get the chance, one, to work with a lot of people, two, to really graft your um, kind of experience in the musical world, whether it's singing, acting or dancing. I did all three. So from me and my girl, I got the opportunity to play. I mean, I was playing the lead in me and my girl. So I went from that to then playing a slightly smaller role in my first official national tour, which was Fame, the musical. So yeah. I went from that. Uh, then I went into Fame. Then I went into um, Happy Days, the musical, uh, which was an original. And I'm playing the, the lead comic in that. Um, and then from Happy Days, I went into Grease, Buddy Holly, Boogie Nights. Oh, you name it. I did it. I did. I did all the rock and roll musicals. Fantastic. So you're quite a singer and a dancer then, really. Was, was, was. Was. Uh, yeah, you've got to, uh, you've got to keep practising, you know, you've got to keep practising all that, that la, 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 all that business every day. And I mean, I, don't, yeah. I haven't done that for at least a good 15, if not longer, many years of my life. But the last musical I actually did uh, was four years ago. Um, was it four years ago? Then I'm just looking at the uh, poster now. Yeah, I think it was four or five years ago. I did The Infidel for David Baddiel. Um, the original movie version was played by Omid Jalili, the Iranian comedian. Um, yeah. And then they did the West End musical version and I got to play the lead in that. So I had oh. to basically buff up the old, um, uh, you know, the uh, the vocal 
chords again and uh, and get back into playing the lead in that musical as well. Oh, fantastic! Because it was also a book as well, wasn't it? I believe so. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually read the book as well. So, yeah, I mean, quite an interesting because I mean, he's such a talented writer as well, isn't he, David Baddiel? God, yeah. David Baddiel's a, he's just, he's such an awesome human being. Um, and his entire kind of, the, the way he, he kind of brings a show together is very strategic and very interesting. But he always, you know, with me, he was very, very, he was open with me. So he was like, okay, what do you think you would do here? That would be funny. And when I mentioned it to him, he was like, yeah, I love, I love that. Try that. And Kev, try this, just maybe give a, a facial expression here. So he was really quite pedantic with what he did. He wanted the right thing to show, but at the same time, he gave you the freedom of um, kind of interpreting it yourself as well. So you basically uh, fell out of the West End doors into the comedy door, didn't you, really? Off, off the West yeah. End stage into the comedy door. So how did that really happen? I mean, obviously, you know, like Infidel is, it gave you the scope to be funny. But how did you make that whole transition to, to fall off the West End stage into the comedy doors? Um, well, I didn't necessarily fall off the stage at that moment when I got into stand-up comedy because John Conway, the owner of um, Kudos, or one half of the owner of Kudos at the time, um, said to me, look, we've got an opening in um, Blackpool and it's called the Comedy Bonanza. Um, and he said, and, um, uh, Bobby Crush has pulled out of the show. He said, and I'd like to give, uh, give you the opportunity of getting into the show. Would you like to do it? I thought, oh my God, yeah, 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 yeah. And he said, it's 18 weeks in Blackpool at the Theatre Royal. He said, and I need you to do about five or six minutes of stand-up comedy and I thought oh my god yeah that's brilliant but could I do stand-up comedy not for love nor money I had never done the genre before I'd never practiced it it always yeah. been a so I sat down I practiced 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 did this lo load of comedy piano and whatever tried to bring it all together like Les Dawson or uh, Victor Borger or you know Dudley Moore so I did this whole thing um I got into the music uh, sorry I got into the show and I pre predominantly died every single night for about 16 weeks out of the 18. Um, and <laughs> I kept practicing and Jimmy Cricket kept putting his arm around me going, try this, try this. And Billy Pierce did the same. John Inman did the same. The Nolan sisters did the same. So I practiced and I grafted and I dabbled, shall we say, in the millennium. It was in the year 2000. Mm -hmm. I dabbled. And then in 2001, I went, let me get back into musicals for a while because I'll be comfortable there again. So I went yeah. back into musicals. I did Boogie Nights for another two years with uh, Sam Kane. Um, and it was around 2004, 2005 that I actually went back into serious stand-up comedy. And I then had grafted a good bit of material. Um, so I then went on, on the road with uh, my first comic, I think was um, Joe Pasquale. So I went on tour with Joe Pasquale. How amazing. And, you know, it has been said that you are, you know, you do sort of take parts of your, your comic routine is from Les Dawson and Dudley Moore as well, as you mentioned. Yeah. So a big um, inspiration of mine. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so and also your, you know, your well known sort of renowned for your rendition of Elton John's, aren't you? I'm still standing. So, yeah. So that's yeah, that's one of my favourites. That was, um, ironically, that came from an idea that Freddie Starr had done once, uh, where he took a piece of music and he, he kept saying, put the tape on. 
and then he'd sing Elvis Presley's uh, Maybe I Didn't Love You. So he'd go, maybe I didn't love you quite as good as I should have. And he used to do this thing where it was like this LP <laughs> that kept going faster. And it was the it was the cassette, sorry, the cassette that kept going quick and slow down and reversing. And it was just brilliant. And I watched it. And I remember as a kid, I was about 14 or 15. I remember falling in love with that routine. So when I had the opportunity to then do my own routine and actually do my own kind of ability to kind of create this, uh, this routine. I took um, the idea of a skipping CD um, and then I put the Elton John's uh, I'm Still Standing to it and I just devised this entire routine from that. So it's an actual inspiration from Freddie Starr that I upgraded to, um, to make it my own. Oh, no, that sounds amazing. So you've really obviously developed, haven't you, your, your sort of comedy, comic routine, as it were, and, and, and grown with it, which is great. So yeah. It's exciting times, isn't it? Because now the 18th of September, which is later on this week, we actually are going to see Jongulars. I, I don't know if I ever say that right. Jongulars. No, Jonglers. 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 <laughs> yeah, bless you, darling. Yeah. <laughs> but perhaps I've got my own little comic routine myself there. Hey. Don't, 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 because I'll get you on stage. Trust me. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. Anyway, so, yeah, no, no, that sounds amazing because, you know, let's face it, during the pandemic, that's what we've needed more than anything else, isn't it? A good yeah, laugh. Yeah. And to have it live back on stage in the middle of London is, is awesome, isn't it? Yeah, do you know what? It's been a tough time. Um, and the uh, entertainment uh, industry got a massive hit, massive hit from the pandemic um, and things just disappeared overnight. Um, a lot of comedians were suffering, a lot of entertainers were suffering, a lot of variety artists were suffering, singers, dancers, actors, everyone was affected by it. Um, and during the pandemic, um, I had the opportunity to buy uh, Jonglers uh, and I went ahead and did it. And the reason I did it was more for, um, for bringing back hope uh, for all the other entertainers and comics that are out there that were, and I believe, some of the greatest artists on the planet, but just didn't have a platform to work. So I bought the, I bought the brand because I believe in the brand. I, I used to work for the brand. Um, so I bought it. And my intentions are to grow it um, to uh, the largest comedy brand in the UK um, with the hope that we can bring back a ton of venues, uh, a ton of opportunities and a ton of shows for, for, for comedians as well as audiences to come along and have a really good laugh. Yeah, no, that sounds good to me. I mean, how, and in the height of its its peak, because I mean, it must've been going for a good 20 years. 1983. Right? Yeah, so yeah. It, it, it first started in 1983 um, wow. and, and, um, and it kind of went into administration uh, in 2017 so from from 2013 to 17 it kind of had a bit of a demise and it went downhill mm. um, but the advantage was it didn't really go downhill with the audiences it went downhill more with the venues and with the comics so when then I announced that I had bought the brand uh, because I worked with a lot of the venues and I certainly worked with a lot of the comedians they were like, oh, well, there's a bit of hope now because Kev's bought it. So uh, there was a few backlashes, to be fair. Um, yeah. And that was expected, to be honest with you, from a lot of comics that had been owed money from Jonglers. So they were being a little bit um, 
I suppose in a way, understandably, a little bit angry uh, that they were owed money and suddenly they were asking me for that money. And um, and I just said to them, look, I'm going to do something better than that. I can't afford to pay you all back, uh, particularly the ones that were owed money. But what I will do is I will honour and, and offer the work to you first. Those people that were um, um, owed money, I will offer the gigs to you first. You can take the gigs first and I will honour it by giving... Uh, that work back to you with the finances so that at least you get some money back before then we offer it to uh, other comedians uh, mm -hmm. out there and a lot of them were really understanding actually if I have to be honest with you nearly 99 uh, nearly 99% nearly 100% of the comics were like great Kev look we'll do that a few of them are still tarnished by the um the unfortunate experiences they face which I don't blame I don't blame them at all but um Things move on, companies move on, and the brand moves on. Um, and the brand's in good hands now, I believe. I've got a great team that work with me. Um, they're awesome human beings. Um, they love the business. They love the industry. And I'm now working with some incredible venues all over the country. So if we can bring back the comedy in a big way, then that's what it's all about. So how many different areas are you? Because, I mean, they used to be everywhere, didn't they, these comedy clubs? I mean, I, I can remember Southampton london you know just to name a few cities but i mean how many clubs are there going to be across the uk to start off with so at the moment we've got about 12 um in its height uh, in historically in its height jonglers had 18 um yeah. so um what i'm doing now is i'm going to focus on building the brand uh to as many cities as possible again um and yeah i mean there's no limit actually, to the amount of venues we want to open. Uh, I've got an entire strategy plan in place already uh, for 2022 and then over to 2025. So we've got an entire strategy from not just this country as well. We're looking at uh, overseas um, and we're looking at a different platform as well. So there's going to be quite a lot of different versions of it coming out. And then because I'm very affiliated with the pantomime um, industry as well, having done uh, 27, 28 pantomimes myself, um i'm also looking at uh, oh producing. no you didn't oh yes i did uh looking at maybe in 2022 um looking at opening the first ever jonglers pantomime where it's all comedy uh, all the all the artists are comedians um so we do in a different version we do a different version of this, uh, the actual wonderful story of say aladdin or cinderella Oh, no, that sounds amazing. That really does. And I mean, obviously, you know, you, you've got the scope there anyway, because you have actually worked across the world, world in comedy clubs, haven't you? Yeah, I, I've been blessed to have done that. Yeah, everywhere, everywhere. I headline in uh, Las Vegas every year, which I'm very, very blessed to do. Um, I've already booked my flights for I actually spoke to the guy about half an hour ago before I, um, you know, before we had this conversation. Um, so he's just confirmed the um, the Tropicana Hotel in uh, in Vegas. I headline it every year. So I'm going back out there now in February to do that. Um, and then I fly over to Australia. I do um, a few comedy clubs in Australia, but then I also do the pantomime in Australia and then over to South Africa again, the same thing. And then the Middle East and, 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 and so forth. So I've got a big tour coming up in America as well next year. So I'm very, very blessed. I, I work all over the world. and I'm very, um, you know, I'm humbled by the amount of work that I do get. Um, but I enjoy what I do. I love it. And, and that's what I want to do. I want to give back to a lot of other comics and a lot of other performers what I've done and hopefully give them the opportunities that I've, I've had. Yeah, well, I mean, what's not tonight? You're making people laugh, aren't you? It's the best medicine in the world. Yeah, <laughs> it is the best medicine in the world, definitely, without a doubt. So that's brilliant. So September the 18th, it opens up in London anyway. Is that yes. three venues across London? 
yeah, I believe so. So at the moment, um, we've got the 18th, which um, September the 18th. Um, uh, so no, actually, hold on a minute. We've got September the 16th, which is the Highland Restaurant. We've got the establishment on the 20th. Uh, we've got the Water Rats on the 20th as well. Um, so we've actually got two um, two uh, brand new venues opening up. So the establishments on Greek Street and the Water Rats venues on Gray's Inn Road. So we've got those two venues opening up. Uh, we've got the Blackpool Tower opening up this month as well. And that's on the 23rd of September. Um, so that's really exciting because that's not yeah. a comedy show as such. That's actually a variety show. So uh, what we wanted to do was champion not just comedians, but we wanted to champion variety artists as well. Because let's face it, variety artists artists can also be very funny, but they can you know they have a different way and a different talent to their abilities. So we wanted to bring back that as well. Um, and then we got the Queen's Theatre, which we're opening on the twenty fourth of September. And you were mentioning Southampton. We're doing Concord Club. Uh, we've got a residency there now, um, and we're doing that on the twenty sixth. So we've got some great opportunities, some great um, you know venues coming up for uh, for the future. So it helps being able to kind of open up different opportunities for different comics in different areas around the country. Definitely, I, and I mean you are working with some sort of you know quite well known names as well. I mean. Sure. I saw on your lineup that you've got Mandy Muden, and I just think she's hysterical, isn't she? Mandy is awesome. She's a talent and a half. Um, I've got to say though, we've we've booked so many great comics in, um, and and really well known names like you know we've got uh, everyone from Hal Cruttenden. You know we've got um, uh, recently we've just um, booked up uh, Jared Christmas. You know he's he's doing quite a bit at the moment as well. So we've got him on the lineup, um, and then we've got some we've got a very exciting project. I can't tell you about at the moment, but it's a massive massive tour for next year, which we've got. Um, uh, uh, a great sponsorship for it and what we've done is we've actually teamed up um with an incredible organization called mendable um and it's basically about mental health awareness in mm. men so what we're doing is jonglers is teamed up with mendable so we've kind of collaborated with a partnership um where we're putting on a tour next year with four legends of the comedy world which all of them are household names that are going on a national tour in the uk all sponsored by a, a phenomenal company which i can't tell you about and then also uh, sponsored by mendable which i can tell you about which is the um is the uh, mental health awareness group that encourages men to talk more about their feelings and emotions um and actually open up about their um you know their past and their future and, and anything they're going through so doing that through the comedy world means that comedians who do suffer from depression and anxiety yeah. and whatnot also get the opportunity to talk about their feelings as well definitely i think that's a great thing because i think you know as creatives sometimes we do find it difficult more difficult to sort of talk about you know how we feel and and things like yeah, that but um especially men and it, i hate to say it but it's true statistic that it, the biggest killer of men under 45 is suicide Absolutely. Yes. Um, and yeah. more so now, because obviously, as you know, Ali, uh, during the pandemic, um, we actually I, I know of three cases of comedians that had run away from home. I know one of them, uh, two mm -hmm. of them, apologies, were living on the streets. And when they were approached by some fellow comedians and why they were living on the streets, um, their answer to it was they couldn't face being at home because they were letting their family down because they weren't earning any money. So the fact that you're then going, hold on a minute, come here, giving them a cuddle picking them mm -hmm. off the streets, putting them back to their families and going, let's do a, you know, let's do a sponsored um, event and raise some money for these guys to be able to feed their families again is really important, which is why I bought Jonglers is to give hope back to comedians and say, we're here, 
we're going to be we're going to be giving you a ton of work and this is what's going to happen so my my principles are rock solid uh, you know regarding um jonglers i want to do i want to do something that no one's ever done before um and we will achieve it one million percent. and i believe you will i mean come on kev you're a stand-up kind of guy i try listen i try we, we can all work miracles if we manifest and we put our mind to it and if you focus on it you can make dreams come true i'm no different to you you're no different to me i'm no different to elon musk or richard branson or anyone else i'm no different when none of us are we're all human beings we're all the same the difference is our dreams and our goals are different um and the bigger your dreams the bigger your goals the bigger the achievement and if you can take risks then you're gonna uh, you're gonna change the world and i want to leave a legacy behind for future comedians um, and future people that want to come up in through the ranks to want to do comedy that's what we're all about actually on that part of the uh, what jonglers is already doing is we've managed to uh, acquire two sets of um uh council grants from the council to actually put they love the idea to put on them um, jonglers kids comedy camp and we actually put on a four-day comedy camp for children to that's learn how cool. to do stand-up comedy and these children were all children that were actually uh one they were really finding it hard to talk believe yeah. it or not two mm -hmm. they were um uh, underprivileged children as such. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't disrespect the families in saying they're underprivileged, but they're underprivileged in the sense that this for them was something they probably wouldn't be able to afford. Um, and they came along, we had a great laugh. And actually one of the children, one, the success story that I've just done two weeks ago was a young man called Elijah, uh, an, uh, a nine-year-old young man who was in and out of hospital for two years. And um, he had forgotten how to laugh. Um, oh. And he forgot how to speak. So... Um, he was very quiet. He hardly ever spoke, came onto the course. And within three days, he was on the floor, belly wrenching, laughing, and uh, he was doing stand up comedy. And lo and behold, we lost him on the fourth day back into the hospital. Unfortunately, he took a turn uh, and he spent two weeks in hospital. So we lost him for the last day, but we sent him all our love and we, we've kept in touch with him ever since. So the, the course, these kids courses are about nurturing the future of jungler stand up comedians. So girls, boys, gay you know lesbian non-binary this that doesn't matter i don't care who you are what you are what color race or creed you are don't care who you are if you're funny come in yeah no that's that sounds good so you really really do have um quite a business plan there don't you Kev? yeah you've got to i think you've got to and you've got to and your principles have got to be right um you know with with anything um jonglers stood for innovative um and original comedy um and i want to keep that uh, tradition going but i want to add principles to it that i think are very important um and opportunities that i think comedians never had before yeah i i can see that and i think that's great and as i said you know well you've said as well laughter is the medicine of life isn't it and i mean let's okay. face it if we haven't been able to laugh during the last 18 months i mean goodness knows where we would be and yeah uh, absolutely and, and i think you nailed it on the head ali because like even i've got twin seven-year-olds and even during the pandemic we'd be sitting there watching you know um the incredibles or uh you know crudes or frozen or whatever the case may be um and i remember on one occasion watching a really funny cartoon with the boys um and when i turned around they were both crying um and i couldn't understand it um as a father as someone who created a nice happy environment for the boys i couldn't understand it ali and i was like what's going on and when mm. i spoke to them they didn't know why they were crying and i right. realized there and then that even seven-year-olds can go through mental health they can go through real like kind of trauma 
depression, anxiety. And when I finally got down to the nitty gritty, which took me about a couple of weeks to get it out of them, it was more the fact that they missed their friends. They missed the interaction with their school. They missed actually learning. They missed a lot of things. Even though we were homeschooling, we weren't doing it right. And um, and I think um, I realized there and then, I mean, homeschooling, I'll never do again. By the way, I'm officially announcing that on your podcast. I would never do it. Never in a million years do homeschooling again. Sounds came out of me that even a pregnant woman wouldn't do, right? Sounds came out. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? Homeschooling, never again. But, you know, um, they were crying. So... I think it gets to the point where you think they also need to be um, stimulated. So that's why Jongler's Kids Comedy Camp was born. Oh, brilliant. No, that, that does sound good. And uh, as you say, it, it's got to be. I think there's something for everybody, isn't there, in, in what you've created here? And it, it's really good to see a, a good British name. Like, I'm not even going to say it now because now you've got me paranoid that I can't actually say it. <laughs> Jonglers. <laughs> Gosh, next we'll have a comedy act together, won't you're, we? You're going red. Is it my camera? Or are you going red right now? No, I'm not going red. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I, I think I think that's amazing because you know it it has been around for nearly thirty years actually in, Plus, in total, yeah. isn't yeah. it? And it's, had, it's had great comedians on the platform as well you know um some some of the greatest artists names big names like you know bill bailey was on it you know um you know marcus bridgestock um you know gina uh, yashiri you know ed byrne ricky grover junior simpson you know you've had ross noble marcus bridgestock lee mac dylan you know phil jupiters you've had them all you know and they've all been on it and and some incredible names you know that have, have been there and done that and worn the t-shirt so the fact that we've got these guys and we've got that history behind it and now we're creating the future of stand-up comedy where these girls and guys will come onto our platform do the shows and then hopefully go on to bigger and better things whether it's worldwide whether it's television whether it's their own dvd specials you know and you know i mean there's there's something to be said about this pandemic as well because i mean we've all had a lot of time to think about things but you know i mean you're quite right in actually looking after creative talent because previously yeah. prior to this pandemic we didn't really look after creative talent, did we? To a certain degree, yeah, you're absolutely right. We didn't. Um, it's difficult because when you're spoilt in the entertainment world, you don't really look at the nurturing aspect of it. You just look at whoever wants the gig, take it. That, that's yeah. kind of how it works. Um, and I've always been under the understanding that because it was the way I was treated, that you take a talent, and, and I'm so, so proud and honored to mention him, John Conway, who's not only a friend, but he's my mentor. Uh, John Conway, who was one half of Kudos and owned the biggest pantomime company in the world. He then went on to actually produce some of the biggest musicals in the West End and on national tours. Took me as a very scruffy nosed performer that, you know, had enthusiasm, but didn't have certainly the discipline or the, the experience. And he gave me that experience by saying to me, right, you're going to tour with Joe Pasquale this year. Next year, I'm going to give you Cannon and Ball. The year after, I'm going to give you Bobby Davro or Brian Connolly. The year after that, I'm going to put you with Jim Davidson because it's a bit of a different audience for you. By the way, I'm going to put you into pantomime. So this Christmas, you're in pantomime with Linda Lasardi and Sam Kane and Lionel Blair. Next year, I'm going to put you in pantomime. You're going to be with Claire Sweeney. Every year he had this way of actually nurturing me. 
And he put oh, on, by the way, the biggest one he did was Haven holiday parks. So I ended up touring, I think two or three years back to back doing stand up, doing seaside specials, doing that kind of stuff in Haven holiday parks. And I learned so much. And the key element to everything I did was I played to every single possible audience you could throw at me from hen and stag, stag parties to literally seven people in a private event who were all multi-billionaires who are sitting there and they're judging you when you perform. So I've done everything as far as the audience goes, and I'm still doing more because there's so many new ways people are kind of wanting to watch shows and this and that, whatever. So I've performed in some of the most prestigious venues around the world. If I can do it, why can't any of the comics that I'm employing do it? Of course they can, but you've just got to nurture them into that platform and say, look, this is what's happening. I want to help you get to this platform and this is what I want you to do. So that's, that's how we're working. Yeah. So it, it, as I said, it sounds like a really sort of sound business plan. And, you know, it's a good idea, isn't it, to look after the people that are working for you as well? Totally. Yeah. But you look after them, they'll look after you. Yeah. You got it. You got it. Well, do you know what, Kev? It's been amazing to have you on Tea Time. I've got, already had a couple of good laughs. Uh-huh. Bless you, darling. <laughs> Bless you, darling. It's been such a pleasure talking to you as well. This is the first time we've met. So this is the first time we've met. And you're just an absolutely wonderful human being. Thank you so much. I know yours was tea time. Mine was water time. But we did it. We made it happen. So it's all good. <laughs> we did. Yeah, so so definitely. And I will look forward myself to coming along to, to one of those clubs that you own. Anytime. Yeah, absolutely. Come along. <laughs> sit down. Have a good laugh. We've got some great talent. Um, and we're booking some incredible, phenomenal uh, artists at the moment who are coming back and going, yeah, get want to get back into it. So it's great. It's really great. We're, we're blessed. And hopefully we can give back to the audiences in absolute droves uh, when it comes to the shows. Well, I think so now. I mean, now is as good a time as any because, you know, things are basically back to normal, aren't they? You know, by the odd vaccine or mask. <laughs> Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, but you know so, the comedians will talk about it, and that's the that's the other thing. What one of the great things about comedy is, you know, it's um it's an opportunity for for comedians to be able to talk about what's happened in a comedic way and allow audiences to laugh about it now. Because even though we've lost so many wonderful human beings in the on the planet through to this um this pandemic, we've also saved millions of people as well yeah. so you know there's 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 a happy balance there um and all those people that did lose someone uh, to the pandemic um you know it, it, it's about coming along and kind of relieving yourself with a, a bit of light-hearted entertainment to go we went through a tough time um but you know we've come out of it on the other side now and let's look towards the positives again you know even though the negatives have been there let's look towards the positives so that's what jonglers is about bring the positives and make everyone laugh yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you. Coming on tea time and I look more forward to many more laughs. So Absolutely. And you're invited anytime, darling. Please come along and uh, come along and enjoy it. We've got some great venues. We've got keep your eye on the uh, website jungles.com because we've got tons tons of new venues opening up and a ton of new shows coming in as well. So 2022 is going to be a very very busy year for all of us. Definitely. I will do. You take care now. You too, Ali. God bless. Bye. Look forward to chatting with my next guest on the Tea Time Sofa this time next Saturday. In the meantime, if you would love to get in touch about having a chat with me, you can reach me on Tea Time at forthenow.co.uk or you can find me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram on Tea Time with AM.
Bye for now.